HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. All right, everybody. Welcome, everybody, to the show Life's a Banquet, the show that's edible, spreadable, and Zara. Horrible. Starring your hosts, me, Brent and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. A show about ostriches, wine, and dough. <laughs> I'm drunk. <laughs> Always. Life's a banquet, life's a banquet, life's a banquet, banquet. Is this it? I think it's it. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Life's a Banquet Podcast, the podcast that is edible, spreadable, and Zara. Pourable, 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 pourable. Starring your hosts, me, Brett and Scott, and me, Zara Tangora. First of all, we just wanted to say that we are now at a dozen. That is one dozen. Dirty dozen. Not a baker. Yeah, dirty dozen. A dozen eggs, a dozen loaves of bread. Yeah, a dozen ways to die. A dozen ways to leave a lover. We are at a dozen episodes, and it is all because of you, dear listener. We looked on our... There's a a special thing on... uh, It's a thing called a computer. Oh, I've never heard of it. Uh And on the internet, there's a a series of information that is floating around. Yeah, tubes, tubes and sprockets and... and splickles and <laughs> cogs and they're turning around. Anyway, it said that there, we are now in almost 30 states. Yeah. And also in how many countries? 13 countries. 13 countries. So whoever you are. Now we're going to say this because we always are we're yapping, yipping, yapping. Yeah. And we want you. We want to hear about you, the mm-hmm. listener. I want to hear what your favorite take is on whatever we're talking about. And please, I know we've joked about it before, but we actually have an email address and we've just started to get a few emails from some of you. So it's very exciting. Uh, it is life's a banquet show at gmail.com. That's that, all one word. That's life's, life's a banquet. Yeah, not life is, but life's a banquet show at gmail.com. Yeah. We'll put a link in our Instagram. And if you're not on Instagram, you should be following us. Mm-hmm. Uh, should is our operative word. Do uh, it. Go on in the Insta and it's life's a banquet show. And it's you'll see pictures of me and Zara. Bread and buttered and extremely good looking. So just be <laughs> be aware before you well, take a gander. Just put it this way, Ford Mellon. I had to decline several offers from Ford Modeling Agency. Uh, <laughs> for the for pl- cars. For the plus yeah. <laughs> for the for the soap. <laughs> the dish soap section. They loved my hands. You know that my brother Ryan in Minneapolis modeled. He's he was a motorcycle mechanic. Is. Yeah. And he 
motorcycle mechanic and he had a, a an a gorgeous a job. Hand. I know he had a job offer for these dirty hands to model oh, hand really? model because they wanted rough looking hands. Yeah. So thank you very much, dear listener. Or you know what? Go ahead and Instagram us if you DM us. Uh, that is, uh, what does that stand for? Um, I of course was going to say something dirty, but I'll just refrain. <laughs> direct message. <laughs> exactly. We were going to say something dirty. If you have direct messages, we respond to every single one. Of our, it's actually me and Zara running the Instagram and mm-hmm. and mostly Breton. Yeah, mostly me. But but I want to. He- we want to hear about you because that's yeah. We do. We want to know like what you think. If you know, we do an episode on bagels and locks. Tell us your funny locks related stories. Are you Jewish? We want to know about it. You like cream cheese? Cool, cool, cool. Chill, chill, chill. Let us know. Send us a funny story that happened. A time mm-hmm. when maybe you choked on a mozzarella stick. Are you drinking my drink? No, I was gonna do a fake cheers. Oh. Oh, oh cheers, cheers. It wouldn't be out of the ordinary for you to steal my drink and drink it as your own, though. Well, just to be fair. I think since it's now the beginning of August and here in the East Coast, in the heart of New York City, uh, we are drinking lots of wine. Rosé wine. Rosé wine. I'm, I have been really into boxed wine. I'll say it. Good. Folks, you can get a great box of organic wine. Are we drinking wine. a box of wine We're, right now? Yep, organic rosé. Uh-huh. And now the great thing about box wine, I'm not ashamed. I mean, you know, back in the 90s, Franzi, but there was oh. such a, oh, God, can you oh, imagine? Not drinking? in a box. But they have some decent box wine that is great for table wine, great for the picnic, great mm-hmm. for spritzers. You get a three-liter box, which turns out to be, what, four bottles or something? That's a lot of bottles. That's of, a lot of wine. One box. I've been known to, so when you say, like, oh, my God, last night I only had... I only I only had yeah. a, a third of a box of wine. You could even say like I only had one box of wine last night, <laughs> and that way you can tell your friends like not a big deal. We only had one. <laughs> we just split a we split a box, and it was totally cool. But yeah. you really get completely drunk. I mean, I'm all. This is actually very delicious. What are we drinking right now? It's just a cute little Provence rosé. From it's very cute. It's fun. I right? would pinch its cheeks if we we're a human. Well, we've spent a lot of time out of the city this week. We went on a mini vacation. Yes. A mini vacation to the book trails, darling. Now, for those of you who are not fortunate enough to be um, planted here in New England, uh, the Berkshires are, what are they? Uh, it's an archipelago. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's not. Um, I believed you. I was like, wow, you really know what they are. Um, the Berkshires are uh, an archipelago. No, that's a chain of islands. Um, the Berkshires are in a region of, it's about like the Berkshire Mountains. The so Berkshire they Mountains surround. In Western Massachusetts. Western Mass slash Eastern New York State? Yeah, yeah I guess. Eastern, the, the border top, between New York State and yep. Massachusetts. And Connecticut even jets a little oh, way. Oh, yeah. Right Connecticut before. gets its little pink toenail mix. Connecticut's like a, like a splat, on, and it just goes in all directions. Yeah. If you look on the map, I'm like, wait, we're in Connecticut for... 34 yeah. seconds. And Connecticut in the Berkshires is like, hey guys, uh, where are you guys going? Or are, you, are you guys uh, going out to dinner? Can I come with you? Uh, it's just me, Connecticut. I don't have any plans tonight. And I, I really would like to join. And speaking of cooking... Like we actually didn't speak at all, but <laughs> yeah, I was speaking, I was just I was getting hungry. Speaking of mass murder. <laughs> speaking of mass murder and cooking human body parts. No, there was a when we arrived we arrived in a cute little lake house, Lake Buell. Lake and Buell. Zara's mother, Bobby's pocket pies. Bobby of Bobby's pocket pies. Bobby's fame. of Bobby Pocket Pies. Uh she Bye. had prepared a lovely little lunch and you helped too with mm-hmm. tomato and cheese sandwiches. Just delicious. On the most delicious bread. From the Berkshire Mountain from Bakery. From Berkshire Mountain Bakery. Now, we, at some point, should we reveal it or no? 
Well, let's just say that at some point we're going to have a very special episode featuring one of America's most famous and important bread bakers who may or may not be the owner of the Berkshire Bakery, but you'll have to uh, stay tuned. Yeah. But the bread was great. So we went up to the Berkshires. Mm -hmm. It was great. Berkshires are... Okay, so if you haven't been, think Rolling Hills, Goat Farms... Uh, we walked blueberry into picking, blueberry picking, stuffy old white people, stuffy old white people. We went to a fab, the Red Lion Inn. Oh which my is god! My the, favorite. Okay, let me pay, let me paint a little picture. The Red Lion Inn is a centuries old, and for Amer- for those of you not in America, in Europe, you're like centuries. That's nothing. Well, in America, yeah. that's very old. Yeah, it's like the old one. I think they say it's America's oldest inn. Yeah, I, there was a I don't know. There was a plaque placard. Yeah, plaque on the. We set a cute little bar in the back. The Red Lion Inn. If <laughs> you're listening. It was fabulous. Besides, it was. It there was, was a piano and a cat named something. Oh, some kind of cat that some psychotic woman That's came it. out and there she was, was like, Snuggles, Snuggles, I love you, Snuggles. Why don't you lay down? And I was like, at that point, I had pounded a martini. I was like, what's happening mm-hmm. here? A two, a two ounce pour martini, which is not a martini, but it was fabulous. They have a gorgeous porch in the front and it just feels yeah. wonderful. It really feels like out of time, like a haunted, old, kind of musty dusty but in a good way like an old mansion lots of rooms and old windows and yeah and and tapered candles in the center of each table it's really fabulous and it's one of those places where you're like there has been so many people in and out of here with so many stories it's one of the things i love about an old inn or any old restaurant is you're like wow so many human beings have had experiences here mm-hmm. in a hotel it's like so many people have had sex here people have died here people have like fallen down the stairs it's just wild zara names the three most things that happen in a hotel yeah you die you, you have, have sex, sex and you go to sleep down, and you fall down the stairs, fall down the stairs. classic of course if there's if i had a nickel for all those three times of course but but you know what else okay so we made a we had a very special night. We uh, blistered some cherry tomatoes, yes. and then we roasted. We grilled up whole uh, beautiful onions, red onions, and fennel bulbs mm-hmm. on skewers and eggplants, egg Japanese plants. eggplants. And we just covered them in fresh herbs and some grilled lemons. And we grilled up a steak that was really nice. Um, yes. Yeah, it was delicious. And we so we used the steak. We had a gas grill, but I decided to finish it over an open fire. Mm. Because fire is trending. <laughs> if you're not firing your meats, folks. You're fired. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're fired. fired. Exactly. Oh. And now if we get to interject for a moment from today's sponsor, Fire. <laughs> We're fired. <laughs> We're sponsoring Fire, one of Earth's greatest and most powerful elements, which is not to be overlooked. It's so hot. So hot. But, oh, but fire back. Now oh, my, sorry, my that was Frankenstein. Domestic partner and boyfriend Preston. Uh had he said oh i want to stop if you know before we got there he said oh i want to make s'mores around an open fire how how american Mm -hmm. and we got some grammy graham crackers yeah and obviously marshmallows and chocolate yeah and then you melt them all together and you see what's all about and that's how a s'more comes out now it was i was so judgy i was like i don't do s'mores i'm breton scott i would oh god oh god i would maybe make my own marshmallows a classic breton move until it gets to the point when you're like you're like, <laughs> I know, there's a video of you, and like in the end, like you can only see the s'mores roasting in the fire. And in the very end of the video, Preston goes, Breton, you've gone beyond. You've gone beyond. <laughs> and I can't remember what you did, but I was assuming it was probably that you put like a lot. What did you do? Did you put double chocolate? 
I think I just went. No, no. I think I just kept eating them as I uh, usually do. Right. I st- I didn't stop. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't stop. They were kids. Just be careful before smoking pot around a fire. Make sure you don't overeat. Take yeah. some psyllium husk. What else happened this week? Well, we're in August and we are nearing the end of summer as we know it for forever and ever. Each time that it becomes August, people not only start saying it's the end of summer, but it feels like summer will never come back again. I've already seen pumpkin spice advertised in certain places. Uh, people fall have, clo- back pe- to school and fall clothes are out. Kids. People are requesting apple cinnamon crisp. I saw a picture of Justin Bieber from last weekend wearing a hooded sweatshirt on a 93 degree day. Basically, if you see someone on the street in New York City wearing jeans, long jean pants, don't trust them. Mm-hmm. They're an apple crisp eater and they're on the other side. They're yeah, working exactly. for the, the other team. Hold off on the apples. Mm. Finish your stone fruits, kids. That is the thing that does not come around. If yeah. you are turning your nose up at stone fruit in favor of an apple right now, I'm not sure they how don't much I have store. to say to you. That's it. Like one, you, yeah. you know, you blink, yes, that's it. you blink and they're gone. Absolutely. You take a freaking loot. Hey, don't you dare swear. I made chili rellenos. Wait, did I tell you that already? You did, but not the rest of the world who's listening right now. Well, so, okay. we Zara and I, we're going to do a little teaser here. We're working on some video work, so if you like it, honk. Honk! Uh, thank you, Whitman. Um, and their chili rellenos are a, I believe they're Mexican, right? I don't know what from mm-hmm. region. I should. I ought to. Uh, however, they are usually stuffed in fried chilies, and they're usually cooked in this in an egg white batter. Mm. So they're puffy. They get, it's a souffle batter, right? Fluffy. Probably when the French invaded Mexico during it. Anyway, but uh, the, I decided that I didn't want to fry them. Okay. Because why would I? Well, well it's just like I mean, I'm eternally trying to be healthier. So in, so instead, I double stuffed the cheese. <laughs> I mixed a mixture of. Uh, some delicious yellow. I wanted that yellow cheddar, mm-hmm. and then I just added you know, spritz of uh, some cream cheese just to give it that Ooh. extra. I thought mozzarella. Uh, just kidding. Thank you for double checking my work. I didn't use. I cream just cheese. remember I you used, saying mozzarella. I use mozzarella from the world's best mozzarella in all of New York City. I declare, which is DePaulo's. Yum. DePaulo's mozzarella, which is over on the corner of Grand and is it Mott? Mm-hmm. Mott or yeah, Elizabeth I think or Mott. So. Grandamot, and it is an old Italian place, and the guy's a cookbook and family-owned business. You wait forty-five minutes to to get help. You grab a number, yeah. But when you get there, when you get there, bring a book. They are on it. They are they everything you ask for. They gently hand you a sample. They say, "Oh." They look you in the eyes and they say, "Try this sweet sobersada. You're going to love it." (laughs) And I did. I the are you know, and we get this like. There's a bunch of characters that work there. There's one woman that constantly complains about everything, constantly. Really? Yeah, I'm complaining about her. Yeah, she's contagious. Mm-hmm. You're kvetching. I get there and I get yeah, I'm kvetching about her. I was like, but why is this woman complaining? Every time I'm here, she's complaining. Do you Besides, think she what's... has like a poodle that she brings in. I don't think so. Okay, that's just my in my imagination. That was in your last week's acid trip. <laughs> but yeah. So... Okay, so you stuffed them with mozzarella and cheddar cheese. Mm-hmm. And did you bread them in I anything? I didn't bread them. I decided not to bread them, but I had made some refried beans from Yum. those. Remember last week I talked about the Parawana beans, a.k.a. Mayakobas? 
Mm-hmm. If you're not using Mayakoba or Peruana beans, which you can get from Rancho Gordo, hashtag, okay. hashtag at RanchoGordo.com. Love Rancho Gordo. Thank stuff. you, Rancho Gordo. We just got 10 bucks for saying that. <laughs> I just got it. Fr- oh, thank you. Thank oh, you. One, is that one free bean being delivered? Thank you right so oh, much. I'll use that. The power of advertising. Hey, listen. We're in the money. Jack of the beanstalk, plant it and make it grow. Big, big, big. And I roast it. So it, be, it came out almost like this gorgeous roasted chili stuff with mm, mm. fresh creamy creamy mozzarella Ooh. oh and and we wrapped so i had made the beans i kind of put them on the bottom of this night that old french crock i have mm-hmm. roasted in the oven and then i just made tacos out of it That's amazing. i was like well i don't need to have all this extra thing and i yeah. had, i had those nixtamal tortillas those are the best tortilla tortilla nixtamal tortilla, yeah and we got we some good stuff here and made tacos and it was really it i charred the chilies on the stovetop oh yeah you know, absolutely classic, like right you have 100 and you have to do i didn't do it the other time when i made chilies and i realized you have to do that because that is the oh that's the that's flavor, the flavor. Yeah. that's the flavor it's like For the, sure. it's the key ingredient absolutely i mean you know folks listening at home um you can use your stovetop for doing a lot of charring i mean that, that that's a, a secret stove, you're a stove i'm top a stovetop burner Master. Absolutely. Yes. I'm the master of burning shit on the stovetop. So one thing that my brother, oh, my brother was here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was. He popped over from Denver, uh, my brother Aaron, who owned the building that I used to own my restaurant in. Yeah, he was very nice. Him and Stacy, his uh, girlfriend, were lovely and wonderful. It was a you pleasure. Know, okay, so my his girlfriend Stacy owns Capello's Pasta, which is, I'm not plugging her, but I am. Plug her, plug away. Yeah, yeah she makes gluten-free, grain-free pasta that's... Uh, Sold in all the Whole Foods and other stores. And you'll recognize it by number one, because Kim, Chloe Kardashian, I apparently loves it. And she said that they love her really? stuff so much. The Kardashians? Yeah, they mentioned, yeah, yeah, they Snapchat about it. And they, uh, what? so she sends them a free package every week because, why did, because they, <laughs> celebrities. I, I know, celebrities get whatever they want. But, she really, they love the no, product. No, that's great. And they, and they talk about it. They said, hey, we love this. That's, pretty cool so yeah chloe if you're listening life's a banquet podcast is oh yes we're also pro uh, everything gluten-free gluten get out of here just kidding yeah you know gluten we love gluten chloe get with the program we're pro you're against we don't care so what's next um what is next is that i have an interesting topic for this week mm. and it's a very sordid interesting topic and here on life's a banquet if you're just tuning in we not only talk about everything edible spreadable and pourable but we talk about the highs and lows of everything spreadable edible spreadable and pourable and spreadable and edible because not every day is filled with champagne fountains and caviar baths exactly but the real the real nitty-gritty of it is that most things that we love um as most of us are as individuals have these enormous peaks and valleys and are complex in our, you know, valuability and uh, the things about us that are also negative and unsavory. The savory Mm. and the sweet, shall I say, Uh, right? That's why a chocolate chip cookie is so good. Did you say unsavory? Exactly. Unsavory is a chocolate chip cookie. Yeah. Well, savory and sweet together. Mm -hmm. Sweet and salty. So, oh, cheers, Brent. Cheers. So this week we are talking about the cheeseburger or hamburger, basically ground meat between two buns. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> one okay. Of fa- Did somebody <laughs> one say of your favorite meat and buns? Because mm-hmm. I said it and I meant it, and yeah. we're going to talk about it for the next hour. Yes. So ah, fabulous. 
Four hours, 10 hours. This week, when we were in the Berkshires, Brent mm-hmm. and I uh, and Brent's boyfriend, Preston, were lucky enough to visit Moon and the Pond Farm, which is a beautiful, beautiful farm. Stunning. Really special. They uh, raise Highland, uh, Scottish Highland cows, which are hairy, hairy cows. Long brown hair, hairy cows with giant Light. horns. Big horns. Big horns that could. Even the ladies have horns, which I appreciate it. Yes, exactly. Now, what I for in, we you, they're very docile when you go up to them. Very calm. We went up to them. Fairly calm, almost. They were grazing in a in a pond, nibbling just in a pond. Lots of flies around. You know. mm-hmm. Their noses were covered in flies. Well, that's what happens to yeah. things near ponds. And our noses were covered in flies. Yes, everyone's nose. And they just kind of gaze up, and we we show up and. And they're uh, chomping. Just chomping on some gorgeous Massachusetts Berkshire grass mm-hmm. and feeding themselves. Yeah, it was really, gently. really special. And so the person responsible for Moon in the Pond Farm, uh, I mean, there's lots of other people who go and help out and have worked there, I'm sure, over the years and currently. But the mastermind, the person who brings it all together and makes it all happen is Dominic. Um, Dom is a great great person. We absolutely adore him. Um, I've known him for a couple of years. We have friends that live right next door and he was generous enough with his time to sit down with us and give us an interview and talk to us a little bit about grass fed beef, uh, and why it's important, why it matters. The metabolism of, of cattle is based on eating grass. That's how they're evolved. That's, um, that's how they're healthiest. That's the food that they need to eat. And interestingly enough, people have evolved with uh, in the same environment um, as carnivores. And I know a lot of people might have an issue with that, but as I see it, humans have evolved eating meat along with the animals that uh, and their evolution eating grass. And so there's a sequence there that makes an enormous amount of sense. The healthier the grass, the healthier the cattle. The healthier the cattle, the healthier the consumer of the of the meat of the cattle. Um, and this was, for many years, completely anecdotal. It was a situation where um, people would say, "Oh, of course, eating." You know, animals that are eating a natural diet, uh, eating animal, eating plants that are raised in a natural way is better for you. But as the organic movement grew, as the market increased so that there was money to do research, the research has been done that shows that the there are major metabolic shifts in a, in a cow's system that change the chemistry of not only the digestive system, but the entire chemistry of the cow. And also to talk about burgers and how he likes them and meets place in society. Mm -hmm. The food system has shifted so wildly uh, to mass production Mm -hmm. of food. Um, It becomes very challenging for all of us to figure out how to... uh, you know, step back from that. How to how to uh, uh, make progress? You know, what do you say to someone that still wants to have steak three, you know, three times a week? It's a tough one. I mean, you know, if you really consider how much 
uh, how many cows that person is eating a year, it becomes completely unsustainable for anybody. The one thing that I, that I appreciated what he said was, number one, he said he actually doesn't eat that much meat. Actually, even though I raise animals for meat, I actually, um, and, I, and I'm admittedly and, and clearly uh, a carnivore, a meat eater, not a vegetarian, I still eat a mostly vegetable diet. Wow. And, um, and I have, I probably only have steak or beef once a month. Yeah. Himself, even though he raises it and how he started, how he said, oh, hey, you know, the reason that I started was because he cared about his, his food and, and that he really didn't even intend to be a farmer. And then he, that he also eats and goes out to restaurants that may or may not have the, uh, the of the utmost quality meat. Right. But in the Berkshires, it's pretty easy to find. Um, there's a couple of places and we'll mention at the end of the show, a couple of places uh, where you can find great meat for burgers around mm-hmm. here and in the Berkshires. So there's a lot of conjecture and opinion about where the hamburger started. Um, as usual, ding dong Americans say it's our one of their state buyers, but we do yeah. have um, up in the Sheboygan County Fairground. Uh, yeah, actually, they say up in the Sheboygan County Fairground. Uh, we were listening to one by there, and oh wow! Oh, sure enough, that's a very interesting accent, Brent. Well, Scott. sure enough, the uh, Pat, uh, Aunt Patty took two loaves of bread together and stuck some meat in there and popped it <laughs> on the grill. And suddenly, before you know it, we put some mayonnaise and some pickles on it, and there you go. You had Just the first like, hamburger. Oh my God, it was delicious. Oh, it was your uncle Burger who invented that. From him, well, there's a lot of German influence down by the river. Down by the lake. Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Okay, so um, as early as the first century in the famous Roman, very early cookbook, yeah. Apicius, uh, written by a man bearing the same name, uh, there's a recipe for uh, basically a hamburger that consists of ground meat, red it wine, Apicius rice. Roman cookbook Correct. collection? Yes. Google that right now. Apicius was a early cookbook author, apparently, that you know, collected all these recipes. So this was basically a ground beef patty that had rice, wine, and fish sauce. So probably a sauce made from anchovies uh, oh, and pepper. Delicious. Yeah. And then uh, also they say that the Mongol soldiers um, would ride with a piece of red meat underneath between the saddle and their ass the entire day to tenderize it and then eat it. Now these are... At I, night. I thought I was a foodie. I mean... <laughs> It just doesn't even make sense to me. It's like, wouldn't it be rancid at that point and covered um, in parts? I am almost certain that nobody knew what they were doing about meat and sanitary I mean, yeah. conditions. That just seems very, very sketchy. And like, I mean, that was back in the time when people would find like a dead pig laying on the side of the road and be like, let's eat it. And also a time when people Who would wear salt? Mer- merkins to cover up there. <laughs> oh, yes. That was back in the merkin times. Yeah, merkin times. Uh, back in the year merkin, Never which forget before my the corns, year one. Yeah. Never forget my corn silk merkin I made. <laughs> Brenton came over to my house one time. Bringing, he brought a seven-layer dip, and then he also bought a corn silk merkin well, that I, he had made. I didn't want to throw all my corn silk away. Well, that's a great thing to for our listeners when we do a corn episode to remind them that you can use your corn silk to make fake pubic hair. I wig. feel like Amy Sedaris would have been very proud of me. Absolutely, Amy. If, already- if you're listening, <laughs> we made one too. She's like funny thing that was in my first book in 1998. I'm like, oh gosh, it I was. know we're such we're such biters. 
going up many, many centuries from uh, the first century to the 18th century. Uh, obviously, people say that in Hamburg, Germany, they had the hamburger steak, which we kind of know today as like the Salisbury steak. So like a ground beef uh. steak, which they also said came from Russian butchers. You know, it's kind of hard to nail down exactly who chopped up red meat first and fried it in a pan. When we had in Catholic school, we used to have on Wednesdays, hot lunch. Remember hot lunch? Oh, yes. A hot, oh, lunch. hot lunch. A hot lunch means something very different in the porn community, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Well, I. It's like to- taking a dump on someone's chest. Oh, well, I think that did happen in Catholic school. But <laughs> I just remember <laughs> they would always have Wednesday Salisbury steak. And as a child, it just sounds so glamorous. I loved Salisbury. it. The yeah. sweat. What was it? Swenson's? What was the TV dinner brand that Swanson's? made Salisbury? Swanson's. Swanson's. Salisbury, Salisbury steak. steak. And it would come with like, the thing about Salisbury steak dinners that were TV dinners, they would come with the Salisbury steak and then like sparkles Get Sparkles. away from We're me. We're talking about... He's, a, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I like Salisbury steak too. Um, and then it would come with like a little brownie dessert and like cranberry sauce and beans, but all in the same container. So by the time you get it out of the microwave, the brownie be it covered had, in gravy. Yeah. I, the whole in thing didn't Catholic make sense. In lunches, it was covered with a, you know, a foil type cover and you uh-huh. rip it off. And, yeah. you know, the carrots and green beans were, well, you know, that frozen 1980s yeah. kind of a They were thing. also from the 18th century. Yeah. And the Salisbury steak was neither a hamburger nor a steak and i still don't know what it was yeah well it might have been uh well as we're gonna delve deeper into this episode we're gonna find out about the meat industry and god knows what it could have been so or what it would have been so salisbury steak so salisbury steak but the english also say that um the english uh claim the fame of the hamburger because in the art of cookery um a very famous early cookbook uh written by an english author they mention it in 1745 they make mm-hmm. reference to a hamburger again more of a salisbury steak not between any bread um so a little bit uh, of like an american history about meat in general what i was kind of like wanting to delve into like how meat became so popular in America. We're going to get back to the hamburgers uh, rise and claim to fame, but I kind of want to just like talk a little bit about, um, you really did a lot of, uh, you went, you went, you went down. I went down an extreme rabbit hole. So, um, in America, when people first moved here, what I read, uh, that was kind of happening in like the 1700s was that, the in New York also that the streets were teeming with livestock that farms were very near to the cities that there was more course, that there yeah. were more animals than you can possibly eat they were saying that like I forget exactly what it was called but something about like that uh, fat overstuffed birds would fall from the sky and burst and fat would pour out of them and like there was basically just a meat topia going on there was meat everywhere really? there was cattle there was bison there was elk there was all these things and so people were eating tons and tons of meat uh Nowadays, people eat 100 pounds of meat a year per person on average, which seems like a lot. In America? Yes. In the 1700s, they were eating an average of 200 pounds of meat per person. Twice. I feel that we eat too much meat. No. Back then, they only ate meat. And another reason they only ate meat, they didn't eat very many vegetables at all because there was a real, like, a serious risk of cholera that could be spread from eating vegetables. Okay. So, like, they were, everyone was very unsure of vegetables, not to mention... 
uh, you really couldn't get. Like today, we're like, oh, I want an avocado. I want some scallions. Like it yeah. was what grew just around run, you. Yeah, just run to Mr. Mango and grab four mangoes for $5. Exactly. And also, allegedly, people were extremely lazy in ways of like they didn't actually want to farm as much as we thought. And so in the 1700s, before industrial farming came to be, people were eating a lot of meat because meat was around. And they were finding it everywhere. It I was, suppose, they were yeah. hunting, but it was very easy. Like, Well, there was no... For example, now, if I wanted to have a cow or chickens, obviously there's a Don't lot. have a cow, man. Yeah, don't have a cow. Oh, my. Wow. <laughs> don't have a cow, man. Flash from the... Uh-huh. Flash back, 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 back fast. Back and forth and forth. Aaliyah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how Americans became obsessed with meat. Now, in America, in 1867, James Salisbury says he invented Salisbury steak. Oh, he had the last... How dare he? I know. Did he? I mean, this is the thing with the history of foods. Like, we don't know. Maybe. I mean, his name was fucking Salisbury. You know the theory that in life and in the world that certain people are doing the same thing? Yeah. We're, like someone's doing this somebody, dumbass yeah, yeah. podcast right now. Our else. podcast. I mean, this amazing podcast. In in Macau or something. Yeah. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so weird. We were doing it at the same time. So are we. Yay. I know. Hey, Macau. The laws of probability and like how people, I mean, when you really think about it though, like the burger is not rocket science, right? Like it's just chopping up some meat. It's like how many things can you do? With well, a piece of steak, at some point, someone's be like, "Let's chop this fucking thing up." It probably, ha- I mean, my intuition is that some butcher or however it started had a bunch scraps. of extra scraps, yeah, and they didn't want to have them separate. So, you know, butcher probably was smart, somebody was intuitive about cooking, and right. said, "Hey, what if I just like put it all together?" And yeah, let me put ran this- it through this hand cranked mm-hmm. grinder. Yeah, so you know. Actually, I think I can't remember the year. I had it in my research, but I didn't include it in the episode because it was like too much. But there is a time, I believe, in the late 1800s when the Sears, in the late 1800s, as we call them, in Mm -hmm. the business, (laughs) uh, when the Sears catalog (laughs) started to feature uh, a meat grinder. And I think that's when people, yeah, Roebuck. Mm -hmm. I think it was in the late 1800s, like turn of the century. I suppose they probably have an electric meat grinder now. A hundred percent. I mean, you can get one for your KitchenAid. Yeah. Is is Sears Uh, still relevant? I don't know. I think so. There's still Sears around. Sears, hit us up. We will advertise for you for the cool, cool price of one million American dollars. So in 1855, a guy named Charlie Nagreen uh, in Hortonville, Wisconsin, Wisconsin at the Seymour County Fair, ran. uh, He he decided that he was going to sell meatballs. Meatballs. Don't throw your don't you dare throw your Long Island accent in there. He was from Long Island, but he was in Wisconsin. Oh, really? No, I'm just kidding. He was from Wisconsin. So he was from Wisconsin and he was selling meatballs at the county fair. However, this guy was a smart cookie and he was like, these people can't walk around with a meatball just holding it in the palm of their hand. They need a bread. So he squished this meatball in between two pieces of bread and he claims in 1885 that he invented the burger well these were the days before instagram when you can could i invented this post something and then mm-hmm. everybody in every country could immediately say oh i oh my gosh i started right now today it i'm the burger inventor yeah that sounds like something that would happen in Wisconsin. that's like the ice cream story 
like, oh, I don't know what to do. My ice cream is melting. And somebody said, well, I have oh, these waffles. Well, yeah. Put it in a put cone. A, yeah. Put it in a cone. Put it on a bun. I mean, you know, who knows? Maybe he invented it, maybe not. Another claim is that the Menchins brothers in 1885 also had a state fair. Classic Menchins brothers. Oh, the Menchins. They're so, they ran out of everything. So they had a bunch of like crap left over. And uh, they were selling, I believe, Actual like crap. pork. They're, like literally crap. They're like, oh, I have this handful of crap that I took before. No, they had like a bunch of leftover you know scraps and so they had run out of sausages they combined some coffee and brown sugar to some ground meat are your eyes Wait, okay yeah coffee and brown sugar yeah this is starting to sound like ketchup i know so they put that in some ground meat and threw it between a button so they say they invented the burger so it doesn't necessarily matter and you can research it and choose for yourself who invented it perhaps you have a family lore of who invented the burger the most kind of pivotal turning point for meat in general came in the turn of the century. Mm. So in the turn of the century, I think actually in the year... Picture it. Picture it. 1899. Well, 1685 in Chicago, they start opening the first giant meat packing uh, and slaughterhouse area in Chicago called the Union Stockyards, which remains a huge part of American history from then on. Um, and towards the turn of the century, uh, in the late 1880s, early 1900s, these stockyards became uh, of public interest. And so people would go and they would tour them and they would watch the animals get slaughtered because they... The, really? Yes, because everyone up until that point was very used to having everything happen on their farm. You know what I mean? Probably and, yeah, much more local. And so exactly. as it was being pulled and pulled away, you know, up until the 1900s, people were still fully, you know, immersed in the fact that you you saw your food be killed. And at the turn mm -hmm. of the century with the industrial revolution, this is when people were like, "Whoa, we don't even know what's happening anymore." So, it was a public display, and millions of people would go per year. Like uh, millions and millions of people are going to Chicago to watch what's going on in the stockyards. However, they were seeing the kind of and it's almost odd to say the most glamorous part of it because what they were seeing was, you know, slaughter uh, mm -hmm. and it certainly wasn't glamorous but people would not put up with that now no but you know what they continued doing this until like the 1950s school trips would go in chicago to the stockyards like if you were going on a school trip and please if you are someone out there or you or one of your parents or grandparents did this we really want to hear from you like I a story about that. yeah i mean that would be some of the most that would be like the most interesting thing we will read your email live on the air because i want to hear we both want to hear about uh any grandparents or parents who went to the stockyards in Chicago to watch the uh, meat processing plants. But one very famous socialist author of the time uh, became, uh, this became the subject of his most famous book. And it was a book that had a really significant, effect, significant effect on food uh, for the rest of time to follow, even though it wasn't his intention. So a gentleman by the name of Upton Sinclair, which mm. I'm sure everybody has heard about. If you haven't, no problem. Um, he's a, you know, he was a socialist. No worries. No worries if you don't know Upton Sinclair. No problem. Um, Did you just say a socialist? He was a socialist, yeah. And he you wrote a story for... Um, a socialist newspaper called Appeal to Reason in 1906, which later became a book called The Jungle, um, about a gentleman who was a Lithuanian immigrant um, working in the Chicago slaughterhouse and the stockyards there. And 
he said that he was quoted as saying he aimed at the public's hearts, but he accidentally hit their stomachs because the book was meant to be about how workers in this country were being treated horribly um, and how people who were immigrants couldn't rise up, couldn't have a fair life. The mm. most awful things happened in this book to mm. this guy and his family. So, nothing, so not much has changed. I mean, really, like, you know, honestly, it was about the little guy really getting swallowed up. And in the book, his wife is a teen wife and she ends up being raped by her boss. And, and uh, the My boss God. says she can only be employed if he keeps being able to rape her. And then she dies during childbirth. And one of uh, oh, his, it's, it's a horrendous, horrible book, but it's meant to like really alert people to what's going on to the American worker. He has another, a colleague, I think it's either his cousin or just like a colleague who gets like locked in a storeroom and gets like on purpose and gets eaten alive by rats. But, what? This- hor- but horrible things are happening, right? So um, I want to just read you a couple of quotes of what happened, uh, what was happening. And so Upton Sinclair went and worked undercover for seven weeks in a slaughterhouse to get the information for this book. So these things were actually happening. Oh, he's like a George Plimpton, right? Where yeah, he, he goes and exactly. The, he's an investigative journalist, an investigative journalist. And again, his intention wasn't to like gross people out against meat. It was to like be like, damn, the man saved the empire. But the takeaway ultimately was that people were just so concerned with what they were eating. Uh, and we'll get back into that. It really changed their, the way they thought about eating meat. I'm going to read this to you, not to gross you out, but to just kind of like, this is the, you know, we're kind of trying, trying to, I'm trying to draw a picture for you now because burgers are like such a fun part of like, yeah, let's go out for a burger. Let's eat meat. Yeah, and I, I, I we love tonight. that too. Of course. Right. We dig it. We love it. But like, it has this really sordid past in this country and it continues to be pretty awful. So, uh, quoting the book, quote, the cattle were fed malt, uh, the refuse of breweries, and would become steerly, which meant that they were covered in nasty boils. It was a nasty job killing uh, these, for when you plunged your knife in, they would burst and splash foul-smelling stuff in your face. Oh, my. These are the cows that they're killing. Another quote. The meat would be shoveled into carts, and the men who did the shoveling would not be troubled to lift a rat, even when they saw one. There was no place for men to wash their hands before dinner, so they washed it into the water that was meant to be pushed into the sausage. In other words, everything's contaminated. Everything is contaminated. Industrially produced hamburger is is produced in vats that essentially contain hundreds and hundreds of cows ground together that any particular supermarket hamburger that you might be eating could have the meat from hundreds of cows in it. Then you can't really say to me, oh, there's no rat shit in there either. Uh, In the book, one of his sons dies of food poisoning. It was basically just detailing the most disgusting things that you can possibly imagine happening to food that you're going to eat. Things being scraped off the ground. They talked about how all the meat scraps would be put into giant dumpsters, rotting for months. And then a month later, they would use the same dumpsters to mix new meat for sausage. So after this book came out, again, he was aiming to like make people aware of the little guy and the poor treatment Did of immigrant workers. Threats? Sinclair, uh, Upton Sinclair. I keep wanting to say Sinclair Lewis. Um, I don't know if he got death threats. I mean, he ended up writing many more day. novels yeah, yeah, yeah. and kind of starting like a, 
ashram s community he wrote a book about water fasting yeah isn't that crazy uh-huh. he was a brilliant guy and he had a vision for america that was different from what was happening to people and it was mainly based on socialism however like i said it really like hit people in a different way so after this happened um roosevelt had to pass two different uh basically food safety acts because people were in an absolute uproar about what was going on. People didn't want to eat meat anymore. Uh, meat consumption in America plunged like greatly. I think somewhere around 25% people just like stopped eating meat. They were like, no, especially ground meat. Um, so Roosevelt invites Upton Sinclair to the white house, uh, in an effort to be like, Oh, we're all on the same side. We're doing the right thing. And then Upton Sinclair uses this moment to be like, we need to get be against big meat. And he like really speaks out and he's like up on a soapbox. An and then Roosevelt is basically like, okay, chill. Like you're doing too much. Work. Like, let me do my job. I'm the president. So the white house starts receiving upwards of a hundred letters per day, which I guess was a lot then like demanding that people make reform, uh, in the meatpacking industry, which, you know, as Dom's going to tell us right now, hasn't necessarily happened. A slaughterhouse is is um, is a tough and uh, uh, thankless uh, business that um, that's dirty. Essentially, you right. can't get away from that. And um, and once you scale that up and try to populate that with workers uh, that will do a conscientious job and care about their customers and the people that are eating the meat that they're producing. It becomes more and more difficult. The larger scale that gets, the more difficult it is to have people who care about the customer uh, working in the business. This is gross, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrendous. It's horrendous, and like I read a little bit of uh, of that book, The Jungle, when I was in college. Yeah, it's really, really upsetting, and it's the time when you start to realize, like, oh, what is industrialization? doing to the food industry and then you look at what it's done now what we eat when we eat a cheeto not that i'm saying that i'm above eating a cheeto or a potato chip i'm just saying like what we are okay with putting in our bodies drastically change and this is the time when it started to change Mm -hmm. you know uh and it's very troubling and people were very scared until 1921 in wichita kansas um old wichita yeah walter anderson and edgar waldo billy ingram start a new, very sterilized hamburger chain. They made all of the stores beautiful and glistening and chrome and white paint. Yes, yes. And they made little tiny hamburgers. Really? And they called it White Castle. White Castle? White Castle. From Wichita. From Wichita, Kansas, which just sounds kind of, I don't know, it sounds kind of racist. Now thinking about it. What? White castle? I don't know. Oh, it's a white castle. Like, I don't know. White is clean. I, yeah, that's true. Well, maybe, yeah, white, clean. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know. Maybe it's Maybe it racist. is racist. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, there were, uh, we can't, I can't, I guess we can't speculate. But so people were so scared still because 1921, 1906, people are still like not vibing on eating meat, especially ground meat. So it's like taking a lot for people to come around to the idea of eating meat again. So Apparently, when White Castle started, it was like hella clean, and like the shiny chrome stuff was like that's what yeah because Bleach they and chrome yeah they needed people to feel safe and their hamburgers cost five cents for ten five cents for ten yeah 
10 oh. hamburgers for five cents. If today in today's martini dollars, that turns out to be I know three dollars. Wow, what a steal! So they were little, they were like sliders. I've never been to White Castle, have you? No, I would never. No, I'm, I'm not. not I don't know. Anyway, so if you <laughs> want to, though, that's fine out there. Like, we don't want to be judgy and preachy, but you know, it's I just, not it's good not for, for yeah, yeah, not good for business, it's not good for the. The business of the earth. I have a Jewish tummy. <laughs> I got a sense. I've heard tummy. they give you insane diarrhea, but that's, that's just a rumor. That's White a Castle rumor. don't sue us. So 1948. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to get to tell you about every single burger chain that ever started. I'm just going to kind of pick out a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I've never eaten here because I'm from the East Coast and I've really never traveled. I know what you're going to say. Uh, but 1948 um, in Baldwin Park, California, Harry and Esther Snyder start uh, a new franchise where they pay more than average minimum wage. Everything's super clean. They're paying a lot of attention to where they're getting their stuff from. Everybody says it's the best thing in town. You can get things animal style. Anybody know uh, where I'm talking about? Get it out and and out and uh, back and forth. Yeah, in and out burger. Have you been? I went one time and, and? I was very disappointed. I knew you were going to say that. But I'm a snoot and a toot and a root. What did you, what were you disappointed about? Well, I'm from Wisconsin. Really? <laughs> that's a t-shirt that's being made. <laughs> I'm from Wisconsin and we have their Cops Burger. Okay. Which, if anybody knows Shake Shack, which probably now is dominating the Never world. Never heard of it. Uh, Shake Shack, uh, from what I've understood, is Danny Meyer went and toured a bunch of places in the Midwest and found those old hamburger joints. And I'm 98% sure that he copied Cops Burger. Oh, really? Which is a burger place in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And Cops, I think it's with a, I think it's with a C. No, no, no. I think it's, okay. with a, it's with a K. I'm sorry. K-O-P-P-S. Probably an old German name. Mm-hmm. Fabulous burgers. They're kind of wide and Ooh. flat. They're, ah. And you order, you know, it's the same thing. Everything's stainless steel behind the counter. All the all the workers are wearing the, you know, the white Little paper hats. hats yeah, and yeah. everybody's in white. And they have... They always have a hand washing station right in front, which I always appreciated. Yeah, yeah. For uh, the customer or for no, the no, no, no. For the for, sorry, for the the employees. Okay. Everybody's constantly washing their hands, and they serve frozen custard. Ooh, ooh. Uh, you know, a classic hamburger. I sandwich. do love frozen custard. So I had this idea of what a hamburger is supposed to be, mm-hmm. and I don't know. In and Out just never did it for me. Interesting, but you know, what Cali- about the fries? Are they covered in melted cheese or is it queso like liquid cheese? Just regular. Melted yeah, American they cheese? No, no, they don't put cheese on their fries. They do. I've look. I've Where? done a lot of research. If you get them animal style, they melt oh, cheese on sorry, them. Sorry, sorry, in an burger. Sorry, mm-hmm. I have not had that. Okay, so I don't know. We need to. I think we should just take a flight right now. Apparently, we're going to get a bunch of emails. We're going to get a hate, hate mail. Hate Send your hate mail. mail. Send your hate mail. Send your hate mail and like you're some ignorant okay. fucking East Coast pieces of shit to okay. Life's can, Banquet Show at gmail.com. I got real thick Mediterranean olive skin. Mm-hmm. It's super oily and real thick. I'm very sensitive, so just be kind to me and just know that I haven't had the privilege of being in Los Angeles. But the next time I get there, I mean, I have been, but. Very yeah, briefly. Not, not not as of recent. Yeah. Not as of late. But a lot of people love In and Out and a lot of people say very positive things about working there as a company and about the fact that it's better than your average fast food chain. Well, there you go. Um, I've also not been to Shake Shack, but that's fine because I don't have it in my notes here. Uh, the other uh, fast food chain that I'm going to talk about is, of course, McDonald's in 1940. San Bernardino, California, um, the McDonald's brothers start a barbecue joint and they run it as eight, for eight years as a barbecue joint until, of course, they meet Ray Kroc, the milkshake yeah. and you know what, machine ex- guy, and they, he comes into the business. Milkshake machine vendor. Yeah. And then they change it to 
burgers. But before that, it was barbecue. Well, how about that? And now they have 36,900 locations. That is pure insanity. It's pure insanity. Um, It's a problem. Susan Powder, stop, stop the, the insanity. Ins- stop the insanity. It's a huge, right. it's a huge issue. Whether or not, this is not um, some like Brooklynite, like hipster bullshit. Like, eh, it's, a pro- it's a problem though. Then comes the Impossible Burger. And the Impossible Burger is a new burger that combines some interesting things like water, textured wheat, protein, coconut oil, potato protein, uh, yeast extract, soy protein, and a bunch of other stuff, xanthan gum, and makes a burger. Love it. Makes a burger that actually, it's a vegetarian burger, but it kind of like bleeds. I have not had one. I haven't had one either. We need to get one. It's kind of the future though, because this is what they claim from Impossible Burger, and it sounds pretty amazing. So one impossible burger saves 75 square feet of land, mm-hmm. uh, a half tub of water, and 18 miles of emissions from a car a in bath one tub, burger. A bathtub a half of water? A bathtub full of water. A bathtub full of water. Yeah. The thing is, guys, with cows and the ways that we aggressively eat meat, particularly beef in this country, is that cow shit and cow farts uh, cause oh, horrible on. problems to our environment. And then the cow shit causes extreme pollution in our water supply. And it takes a ton of water to basically grow the feed for all of the cows uh, that we need to eat. And so we're going to talk about later in this episode, like our favorite burgers and why we love burgers, because this is a high and low of all things edible, spread on portable, and this is the low, but this is like the reality. Well, I will say after talking to Dom and actually seeing the cow, and when I was faced with touching the cow, I mean, holding its horn, and he could have killed me if he wanted to, yeah. or she, and there was something that when we got back and had that burger, I it's not that I, I didn't feel guilty. I didn't, again, I'm not here to preach or yeah, say anything that's totally. right or wrong. I've gone through periods of vegetarianism in my past life. And by past life, I mean, you know. A couple of years ago. Yeah. yeah. A couple of few years ago and, and when I was younger. And it was because of that. And yeah. I, and I don't do it anymore. So, I'm, again, I'm not. I think slow change is probably the best way to do it. And I it just made me more aware of, I guess, the quantity. Yeah, the of quantity. Of which, like, do I need to have burgers four nights a week? Do I need to have steak every night of the week? No. Right. It's kind of crazy to suggest that anybody that eats meat work on a farm. On the other hand, it's perfectly reasonable. Absolutely. You know, if if you're going to take responsibility for uh, for what is your sustenance, you might want to get a little tiny bit closer to what it takes to to actually sustain you as an individual. Um, and it might be nice to visit a farm. I mean, it's kind of crazy math, but if you if you calculate the cows per capita in order to to supply that kind of habit, it gets ridiculous. And so, yeah. as Michael Pollan says, and as many people have said, what we need to look at is readjusting our 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 eating habits mm-hmm. and uh, and looking at um, a balance of meat and vegetables that makes a lot more sense. Okay, so then. I don't know. Yeah, I, it's just something to be aware of. Yeah. And as our world continues to populate and grow and everything happens, I think it's just 
as a culture and everybody, you know, food culture has impermeated our iPhones Absolutely. and our Instagram feed and our Facebook feed. And you go up and there's a juicy video of, of course you're hungry. And I, again, it's not that it's, you know, we're, we talk about cooking and, and I had a restaurant that specialized in burgers in yeah. Denver, Colorado. That's what I did. I of course. made burgers and yeah, you know, and not everybody can afford It's very expensive. It's very expensive. It's really tough. I mean, you know, good quality grass-fed beef is up, uh, at retail cost. I mean, at, whole t- at wholesale cost is upwards of $7 a pound, even for grinding cuts. Um, yeah. And it's hard. And that makes it very difficult to do the right thing sometimes. And if you do the right thing, it makes it hard to stay in business. Um, you know, the way I think about it is that I think the Impossible Burger is interesting because I think a lot of people who are going to eat fast food burgers are not in it for like, oh, I want like the beef. Like I need the quality of meat. They're just looking for, it's basically about the special sauce and the bun and the the feeling of the, you know, did I, did Russian I, dressing mixed with the pickles and the cheese. Like, can I ask you a question? Did yeah. Any, did, or did you, or when I was in college and I, by the way, when I was in college, I was never really poor because I live in Wisconsin and uh-huh. we just weren't poor there. Okay. No, just People kidding. in Wisconsin aren't poor? No, not at all. Just oh, wow. kidding. Okay. No, no, uh, just PSA, kidding. everybody moved to Wisconsin. <laughs> Sounds like a utopia. No, I'm just kidding. I had enough money to buy food. Yeah. I wasn't ever that poor. Right, right. I was fortunate. What I'm saying is, but I was at a point where I'm like, You gave well, a lot of hand jobs really for want. food. Yeah, like I didn't want to get burgers. So I used to make uh, bread sandwiches with pickles and mustard. A condiment sandwich. A condiment sandwich. Rudy Young, our good friend Rudy, if you're listening, you're not alone. Rudy always made condiment sandwiches. Well, I made a condiment sandwich. And I kept thinking back then, I said, I actually don't need the meat. In fact, this is this is a burger. Yeah. And that's what you're looking for is like the, so that's why I think like people, you know, hopefully can transition to the impossible and really burger. It's all about the fries. Exactly. In fast food. Right. And then maybe save the, like, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm sure there's a statistic out there, uh, on what that could save the world, how much time that could buy us. And we, you know, as much as we, as Americans cling to this idea of like our freedom is our choice. And this not that like, Sure. Yes, we. A lot of people, I'm sure, don't want the government intervening with their food. Fine. However, you know, you do in other ways. I mean, we allow the FDA to operate. Like, so perhaps listen to this. Well, when this administration is over and people start caring about the environment again, maybe we can start to really listen. Like, what would happen if fast food chains were required to, you know, use meat that wasn't didn't have such a horrible impact? On- well, I think, not to get a political. Yeah. You know, we still want to keep this fun. And everything, but it. I had an old friend that was a poli, poli sci major in college. Yeah. And she said it should not be up to the consumer because I know, because I've been broke and I don't make a lot of money and I, yeah. I don't always, it shouldn't be up to me to decide whether, you know, the. Whether the lot, earth goes yeah. on or not? Yes. Yeah. It should be like, hey, listen, I know that I'm going to get this and it's going to be a good product because our, our laws have been regulated and okay okay here we it's go. a big conversation I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a lot of emails here but that it of course i want the best bang for my buck is what i'm saying right yeah so some there are times and you and i both have experienced them where you're like okay like i'm here and i'm at this situation i'm gonna have a burger and here i am and it's cheap and I, that's all yeah. i'm gonna have right now and i want it and i'm hungry in this and there are plenty of people that don't even have food that are probably actually living three feet outside of my door yeah our homeless neighbors that don't have the option and 
they just need to eat to stay alive. Of course. So it shouldn't be up to them to be like, well, I'm going to get grass-fed meat. Because, right. And it's it's a very, very... It's imp- a tricky... But with the Impossible Burger. I mean, I think it sounds like... I don't know. I, th- I think what we all kind of have to make some kind of uh, agreements as to like what we want societally. What are we willing to give up? And that goes for a lot of stuff outside beef. What of what of our own pleasures are we willing to sacrifice for the fact that like we live on a spinning ball that is not just going to go on and on no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like there are ramifications, uh, you know, to the choices yeah. we make. So that's kind of what I have to say about the burger on the negative on the harsh end of the spectrum now on to the fabulousness now what's your now what's your favorite no but seriously because the way to transition into that is to say that like there are things we need to take serious in life and be cautious about and take a look at but we can still well have fun this made me think about my burger recipe yeah which i uh, I guess truthfully stole from a restaurant in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Yeah. <gasps> Why don't you just go back to Wisconsin if you love it so much? Why don't you marry it? Well, you know, you know, I love. Just kidding. Stay here. Don't I go anywhere. I happen to like New York. Uh, there is a, a restaurant in Wisconsin, the Charcoal Inn. Ooh, the, the Charcoal, Charcoal Inn. Oh, wait, is it the Charcoal Inn? Gussies. Oh, even better, Gussies. They're Fabulous. both. They're both places. They're real, and you can look them up online, and I won't give you away my secret because I don't want to have a line when I go there, but they are known for putting a generous pat of butter <gasps> on the burger. A butter burger? Butter burger. Butter burger. And Yum. so in talking about then I thought, well, you know what? If I had a an Impossible Burger or something that was a close substitute, or you know what? Skip the meat and give me the butter and... Put mm-hmm. some pickles and some just bread and butter and pickles. I love sliced onions and their bun is this that Sheboygan hard roll, which is different than an East Coast hard roll. Huh. They call it a Kaiser. Well, it's not quite. A, it's called a Semmel, like an Austrian Semmel roll. Oh, or German. How Semmel. fancy! S e m m e l. Google it. Oh, available one. Uh, but the rolls, it's that crunchy, mm-hmm. crispy, light, airy texture. Yeah. So maybe we don't need the maybe we don't need the meat. Maybe. Well, what were know. you thinking about your burger recipe, though? That's sort of a saying that if oh, I oh that you that, don't need one that to me if I kept all my components this you know I made right. my own pickles and I did sliced onions and I did my you know the the, the sauce everybody's got their secret sauce secret sauce ketchup I did, mayonnaise I did, and relish ketchup mayonnaise well I did yeah house made pickles mm. ketchup you know whatever uh yeah some pickles pureed with some stuff yeah you know well for the fun part of this podcast let me ask you. If you are going to eat a burger, top three, top three burgers, well, I, uh, top okay, three burgers not, anywhere. Well, I used to love uh, cops in Milwaukee, which I mentioned mm-hmm. Gussie's in Sheboygan, which I mentioned. Okay. And you know what? I probably would say JG Mellon. Oh, <gasps> JG Mellon is a restaurant. On Delicious. The, yep. And where is it? 70. I think 70. 70, 70, 78. 78. No, it's like 70. 74th and less. 74th and 3rd. 74th and 3rd. 3rd Avenue. Yeah. 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 Old school. Of, and they have a a restaurant uh, which is themed after melons for no reason other than that somebody probably had a lot of pictures of melons. Mm-hmm. We're going to have to do a JG Mellon <laughs> yeah, episode because yeah, I'm sure there is a reason. <laughs> uh, nice, tight, thick, you know, yeah. bun and patty. That's a good burger. It's very delicious. What about you? My favorite burger of all time is the burger at Diner, 
which is a restaurant, not just a diner. It's a restaurant called Diner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a favorite of mine for years and years and years. Uh, wonderful. Andrew Tarlow's first restaurant. Uh, Andrew is a friend of the show and of a restaurant oh, industry yeah. comrade. Um, he owns Diner and then next door is Marlon Sons. And I think it's my favorite burger for a couple of reasons. One, first of all, great bun. Great brioche bun. I think mm, for me, I was me, just about to ask you if you'll. I don't. For, for me, yeah, I have yeah, two yeah. options for a bun. It's brioche, or actually, I've enjoyed a pretzel bun at Emily. Mm-hmm. I think their burger is great. They have a pretzel bun, not normally something I'd go for. Or I like like a Martin's potato roll. So diner starts off good. They've got a good bun, and the best thing about it is they have good meat. There's a compound called CLA, which God, is. There you go. Oh. Give it to us again. Come on. Conjugated linoleic acid. Right. Nice right. one. Very good. Only exists in... I heard it makes you skinny. <laughs> there you go. All I really want to do is be skinny. Sorry. It's true. <laughs> but no, I read about that. You did. That particular types of grass-fed meat contain a much higher the amount. The, the uh, metabolic rate and the existence of CLAs uh, is is much higher in grass-fed meat, and CLAs are excellent for human health. And you don't get CLAs, and, and you get other things in grain-fed cattle that are not good for you. And all those CLAs and various, you know, um, other assorted, uh, for lack of a better term, chemicals in the meat actually support our health, um, our immune systems and anti-cancer stuff and on and on and on. We're going to talk about later in the show places to buy good quality meat if you're in New York City and you can, not to be too snooty, um, but they have good meat and they source it from their butcher shop, Marlon Daughters, which is next door. Um, Beautiful, you know, white cheddar cheese. They do pickled onions. Um, it just is great. It's just a mm-hmm. juicy, flavorful, perfect burger. It's the best. Second fave burger. I don't know. I really do like the burger, the Spotted Pig. I did. I don't really frequent there anymore, but that burger was very good. Well, our Ashley Merriman and Gabrielle Hamilton, GH, are taking over uh, Spotted Pig. Yeah. Big move if you're uh, into the New York yeah. restaurant culture. So it's a big move. It's a funny. I we like Ashley. Very yeah, much. I used to She's work with Ashley. Nice. She's fabulous. Love yeah. her. She's great. And um, that burger is very good. Um, and I guess my third favorite burger. I don't know. You know, what? I really like the burger prime meats. I think it's very tasty. I go there. there. Go. I don't eat a lot of burgers, and I like the burger at Henry Public. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I, tend not to eat them so I'm not a much. super burger face stuffer. I don't eat a lot of burgers at all. I like the burger of the Commodore, too. I appreciate a good burger. And when I go to Sheboygan, I obsess. And I go, and then I always... Well, you know what it was so funny? I was telling Zara earlier. Hi, listeners. I was telling Zara, just you and I listening together. Uh, but I said when I was growing up, I was from this area that obsessed over burgers. And, bah, and I hated them. I thought they made me feel sick. I thought they were weird. I yeah. thought they were disgusting I thought they were and now I love them yeah I mean I love a good burger but it's something I'll eat like a couple times a year like it's not a big part of my diet you sell burger meat right Uh or ground beef beef. what's your uh, what's your ratio what do you what's 
80 20 80 20 and what cuts do you use um i use a lot of cuts round and chuck mostly so i think dom talked about his ratio but i'm going to give a quick my favorite ratio like it has to has to have 80 20 you know 80 yeah. 80, 80 lean 20 percent fat so yeah. the whenever you hear if somebody says oh an 80 20 it refers to the amount of lean actual meat to the fat portion and if you have too much the burger is going to fall apart mm-hmm. and if you have too little it's going to get kind of dry and tastes like a bad salisbury steak <laughs> Dude, you know what I'm thinking of is what? the video you sent me last week about Julia Child when she was on David Letterman and they were making okay. burgers and the electric skillet wouldn't light. No. We have to put a link to this. Okay, you're going to go, we're going to put a link on our Instagram because I thought I loved Julia Child, as we all do, because mm-hmm. I love her. And then I re fell in love with her when I watched this old clip of her on David <laughs> Letterman and they had, a, first of all, it's the 80s and they had an electric. Television, uh, uh, sorry, on television they have an electric skillet that nobody tested because <laughs> because nobody cared about food back then or anything, and there was no induction burners and it didn't work and she just flew by the seat of her pants. She's and, so adaptable, and she said, "Well, She's this is called a bru- goddess." She called a she made a brulee. She made tart- a grit, uh, steak tartare au gratin. Steak tartare au gratin. It was. Incredible, it, and you can only watch it to. Uh, I'll stop there because you just go ahead and watch it. Yeah, please watch it. Google Julia Child, David Letterman. Yeah, in fact, I'll put that up right now. It was really funny. So, what else? I want to ask you a couple of chef recommends. So, oh, yeah, chef, chef recommends. recommends. Chef recommends. Perfect. Uh, what do you like to put on your burger? How do you like to take it? Okay. Well, I will give you my exact recipe. And mm-hmm. You can go ahead and open a restaurant and go through the stress of it and make lots of money on it. And if you do, just buy me a drink when I walk in and thank me. Perfect. So I used, I like to sesame bun. I decided on mm-hmm. that after much speculation. Martin's? And, uh, no, I don't like a potato roll. I like okay. a little more substance. I just like a regular good old-fashioned sesame bun. But go ahead. I mean, you know, I think it's a personal thing. Again, yeah. there's no right or wrong answer. Like some yeah. people love brioche. I don't. Some people yeah. like uh, I tried to get my the <laughs> those summer rolls shipped in, which is ungodly expensive and what a terrible carbon footprint. So I settled on a sesame bun. I used a very nice brisket, short rib, uh, and chuck blend, mm. right? 80-20, nice and fatty. And I like to have it not too thick and not too thin. I actually kind of... I, I'm a person. Middle. No, I'm a person that loves rare meat. Oh, me too. I love rare meat. I love rare meat. That's The rarer, the better. Yeah. Bloody, juicy. I like to just wrap my fingers and everything. I like to massage it. No, but I like. Uh, I actually like my hamburger meat to be closer to a medium. Oh, blasphemous! Really? really? Uh, yes. And now, not to say that I wouldn't have a medium rare burger. I like everything. Do you order medium when you go out uh, to a restaurant? No. You order medium unless rare, unless I really know. Because there's, I say, the burgers are there's gourmet burgers and then there's smash burgers and there's kind of you know that the flatter mm-hmm. burger i like that's something something in between anyway so i take that right i do i do mine in a cast iron okay and i just use a little bit of sunflower oil to get you know just so it doesn't stick to the pan mm-hmm. but i make sure i get that crust on it so i really get that cast iron going real hot yeah and i do put a little press on it for a little bit and by a press i mean something weighted you could use oh, wow. another pan uh, they actually sell burger presses. Yeah. Large cast iron available on Amazon. If you Is that what you used at the restaurant or burger press? I did, yeah, yeah, when I made it. And then 
on my burger, I decided to leave a little thing on the side of green leaf lettuce or what mm-hmm. I got some a bun whatever. set, a bun set. And I put, you know, sliced tomato and green leaf lettuce. And then I did some raw yellow sliced onions oh, sliced wow. very thinly. Mm-hmm. Because, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. And in my sauce, again, we just talked about the special sauce. And then I just generously, I did toast the bun. Mm-hmm. I toasted the bun right there on that cast iron and it kind of picked up some of Oh, you cast iron toasted it. So like buttery toasted mm-hmm. butter and bun. And it picked up some of the foam from, you know, like some oh, of that juicy bits smart. from this. St- and then I buttered the heck out of it. <gasps> so, and people were like, oh God, what is that? What is it? It's the classic. What is that? I'm like, nothing. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's two n- tablespoons. It's 492 calories of butter. And mayonnaise. And no worries. Yeah. No uh, worries. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, uh, yeah. The chef okay, what about you? My perfect burger is medium rare on okay. an untoasted, uh, either mm-hmm. seeded or unseeded Martin's potato roll. Mm-hmm. Okay, burger off. Let's go. I, medium is great for me. Okay. What kind of bun? Oh, I, I, you know, it's, 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 where, it's what's being served. Okay. Gotta, I, go, I roll with it. Mayo? I love mayo. Yeah. Oh, oh, you sorry. literally oh, roll with it. Oh, oh, that's a pun. That's a good pun. I said a pun, not a roll. I said a pun, not a pun. Um, so mayo, ketchup? No. Tomato. Oh. I'm not. Raw onion? Cooked onions? Sure, no, I'll onion. take onions on. Either, whatever you want. Okay. And bacon and cheese. Tomato? Whatever. Anyway. Avocado I love. Ooh, avocado. Yeah, that's, that's... A green duck egg from one of your own uh, baby ducklings? I'm that... not really... Big on no, eggs. No egg, on the, okay. egg on the burger. Cancel egg in the hold. Hold like, the egg. I like eggs on almost <laughs> Table everything. Forty four is a real, <laughs> real fussy one. Um, mayonnaise. I mean, ketchup. When in doubt, uh, either pickled or thinly sliced raw red onion. Yeah, either. And pickles. Yeah. And no tomato or lettuce. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Mayonnaise. I guess butters. A toasted buttered bun would could only be positive. Yeah. It doesn't have a negative effect. Thoughts. Preston, while we're sitting here, actually, would you mind telling us your go-to burger order? My go-to burger, medium, definitely. I do prefer a sesame seed bun. Sesame seed. Uh, I like American cheese. uh, It just melts the best. I do, too. Mayo, pickles. Lettuce is good. All right. I really like a tomato. Did I say that already? No. Perfect. Yeah. Thanks. I like mayo. I like mine medium rare. And I like a potato roll. I like a Martin's potato roll, if possible. Yeah. I like lettuce on my burger. Mushroom Swiss burger. Yes oh, or no? Oh, absolutely Absol- not. Oh. <gasps> no. Okay. Uh-uh. Okay. No. Yeah. I'm not a funky burger person. The only funky burger that I like, and I what? say why, this why is Why is that fun- oh, funky? Because I'm a burger purist. You sound like your mother, Bobby. Well, I'm her spawn. Oh. I'm Bobby, Bobby that sounds funky. Bobby would eat a raw burger, I'm pretty sure. She claims that she never really, she's like, oh, I don't eat red meat, but if I put her around a burger, she will fucking tear that thing to shreds, raw, (laughs) cooked, whatever. Um, So I really am like a burger purist kind of person. Like I would also be fine with just like some mayonnaise and like melted cheddar cheese or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't like like too much wacky stuff going on. Oh yeah, I forgot about cheese. How could I forget? I mean, about my I know I forgot about cheese too. My favorite, if you really ask me, my favorite Hold is on, Amer- I'm American really ask, cheese. Zara, I'm going to really ask. Ben, you. can I 
ask you a question? I'm gonna really. You just said American cheese. Yeah, American. If I, if you want to know what I really like, well, I just asked American you. American cheese. If you want to know what I'd tell a date that I like, potential suitors. Yeah. Uh, Gatch oh, and cheddar. Uh, I love Delphine Wong. Oh no, uh, definitely American is my fave. But if I am going to be a classy lady, cheddar. Okay. Other than that, fuck off. You no, thank what? you, blue cheese. Even I do like that Breslin, uh, that uh, spotted pig burger, but it's not my it's not my vibe to to veer off course with cheese. Let me just finish this thought. And nobody the interrupted you. Only funky. <laughs> let me goddamn finish. The only funky burger that I really think is like absolutely delicious and maybe one of my favorite burgers ever is that burger at Emily. I think that burger is good. I thought it was one of the worst burgers I've ever had. How could you say that? Something was, like that? I think a, you're a contrarian. No, I actually. What did no, you I'm think not. was the worst about it? There's a lot of things I agree I with. Yes. What did you think was the worst? It was a sham. <gasps> it was a big sh- flim really? flam sham. Really? Yeah. I think it's delicious. I think the meat is really flavorful and yummy, and like they have a good no, dry thanks. edged meat. I would never tell anybody to go there. Really? I would never tell anybody that I know that be like I would. Oh. No. Brighton I think it's really good. I've heard a lot of people say it was good. I really think that it's they an have, opinion. I'm a, totally. I think that they have. I haven't tried their burger at Emmy Squared. I really like the burger that they have at Emily. Um, I, I think the pretzel roll works. I thought that they had good quality meat. Yeah. I like their sauce. I love. I was listening to the Mark Marin podcast, which we all love. Yeah, and I loved how he had an opinion. He's going off. He's like, "Yep, I have an opinion." He goes, "Guess what." We are adults. And he's like, guess what? Oh, he was we going off about superheroes. Superheroes. He's like, I hate superheroes. He and I really thought, fucking hate superheroes. But movies. I love it. I was like, we can have opinions. Oh, of course. We can have strong opinions. 100%. And everyone's like, screw you. Like, I have, what do you mean? You don't like the Emily Burger? Right, right, right. It's okay. Yeah. Like, you can do. I didn't say, I don't think people are less or more from it. I, oh, just like I also wouldn't eat s'mores. But, right. But if I, if we, if we got some Emily Burgers delivered to this house right now. I'll tell you one thing. You know what else helps? starving yourself and That's if you true. haven't if, you, if i haven't eaten for an entire day or possibly two days it's the best thing ever be like all oh my sudden. god i've never so oh i loved it i rubbed it all over my face and body yeah, of course that's this interesting is- i kind of had a feeling you know like i feel like we went together but you like reserved your opinion this was a long time ago well now i'm not going to even talk about the the burger's favorite accompaniment because that is an entire episode in its own. It is, but what about cheese? You didn't you didn't lay it on us with cheese yet. Well, I do like just a really nice, nice, very aged white cheddar. Ooh, what about white. what about American? No thanks. No thank you. No thanks. No worries. No worries. No thanks. Huh. Uh, I'm just not into it. I okay. Don't, I don't Fair know. I've, yeah. Do you like it on anything? What about in a grilled cheese sandwich? No thanks. What about in your queso? Uh, I mean, I like queso sometimes. I'm not against it. Yeah, I just yeah, like, yeah. But that's somehow, for some reason, it's different. It's like a big thing that's mixed with some cream. You but think a, you know someone. What? You think you know someone. Yeah, yeah. I just, <laughs> not a, this is yeah. the end of the podcast. I'm just yeah. And they were good friends until they talked about American, American cheese. American cheese is, I don't know what it is. No, it's horrible. I mean, it's a bad thing. If, you know, Again, I guess going back to what we're talking about is like making sacrifices of the things you like for the better, for the greater good. I will give up. I eat one slice of American cheese per year. However, you know, starve me for a day. I'll go on a bike ride. I'll smoke some weed. Yeah. Have a couple of high lives. And of course, I'll eat. I'll probably eat the I'll eat all of the American cheese. You and American cheese are holding hands. "Ah, ah, Cut stuff. Yeah. Skipping down the street together. Oh, American cheese. I love you. Classic Gemini. And then the mm. next day, I'd be like, I would never do that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we were like, Brett, we have you on film. Well, speaking of film, 
Just kidding. Nothing. Oh. <laughs> You're like, speaking of film, I've, I have a camera in the bottom of the chair this whole time with the hole in it. So, hey, listen, we want to know about if anybody has a favorite burger place. Yes, please tell us. Because and maybe there's a secret place in Norway or Ooh, uh, perhaps. We wait, have listeners in China. China. Maybe there's a burger place or maybe there's some other cool special thing that we just have not been yeah, informed of. I noticed we have listeners in Arkansas or Arkansas. Arkansas. So go ahead. Email us at Life's a Banquet. That's L-I-F-E-S-A-B-A-N-Q-U-E-T. Show. Show. S-H-O-W <laughs> at gmail.com. We like to spell things. And probably the easiest way is just go ahead, find us on Instagram and send us a DM and tell us. And we will read about it because we want to hear you because that is the whole reason yeah, that we're your, here. Your opinion is way more important than and ours. We, will, we, yeah, yeah. we yeah. like kind of exist in a tiny bubble and then Bretton exists yeah. in Wisconsin in the memory of his heyday in Wisconsin. Uh, yep, I know. Yeah, and I'm like, I like Henry Public for everything. Yep. I'm super original. So that, yeah, you go know ahead. What, you know where else I like for burgers? What? Um, where? There's a place. Who? Uh, Brandon. When? Can I tell you something? Why? Um, There's a place that I haven't been in a long time. There's a place in the hood where the naked ladies dance. Exactly. I've never seen a naked lady, but it's super old school, kind of like East Village vibes. It's called Paul's. Paul's? On, Paul's on 2nd Avenue. Oh, yeah, I've heard of it. Yeah. Paul's on 2nd Avenue been. has a lot of different burgers. It's definitely of the... You know, lowbrow elk, but oh, and how could I forget? I want to mention something so important. What's so important? One of the best places to get a burger that is a meatless burger that I think is absolutely delicious, amazing, run, don't walk, is Superiority Burger. Oh, I did go there. I loved Superiority Burger. I think it's delicious. I love Superior Burger. I actually decided that I liked all of their other stuff and not the burger. Their sides are great. I was very impressed with, I that was yeah. the, my surprise there. Okay. Whatever. I was like, I totally. went there for the burger and ended up getting the best sorbet I've had in my life. Oh, yeah. they ha- Well, Brooks Hadley does that. You know, he's that dessert guy. Brooks Hadley. You that, are correct. That uh, wonderful cookbook, which I think is one of the most fun, insane, cool cookbooks. Fancy, cookbook? fancy desserts. Fancy desserts. Yeah. Well, we need to go ahead and Amazon use that immediately. Yeah. Check it out from your local library. Um, I really, 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 really like that place. Yeah, it's fabulous. Anyway, but that's over in the East Village of New York. If you it's vegetarian. There, all veggie burgers. All veggie. And if you happen to hear, I, I, we both recommend it. It was great. Yeah. They have cute little seats in the front. You think yeah. only four people, three people can sit at one time. Maybe it's four. very small. I got taken there for my birthday a couple of years ago for lunch, and I was like, this place is so dope. Yeah, going on a Tuesday at, at like, right when they open. Yeah, and it gets real best. packed. Mm-hmm. That place is really, really fun. So, yeah, burgers are great, and they are. And, again, I think quantity is the big thing. And My, um, my take on... on on the food system is that it's altogether too industrialized um, that has made it more about money than about nutrition or quality. Yeah. We, we've learned a lot in this episode. That's and interesting, right? Yeah. I, I think awareness is the biggest thing. I sort of felt weird and guilty after I saw the cows. Yeah. And then as anything in life, you kind of forget it, you know, like an old sure. lover. You're like, Oh yeah, I remember when I was yeah. upset. No, I don't care anymore. But I no, that's not true. I do care. And, I thought about it and, you know, all I can do is think about it and make small changes. And those are the biggest changes that anybody can make. I think the thing is the takeaway about like burgers and meat in general. It's like 
for me, this is just like my opinion, is that I'm someone who's going to like love food. I'm not a vegetarian now. I can't predict the future. I can't anticipate myself converting to vegetarianism unless, you know, we all kind of need to go in that direction collectively to save the planet. Um, but as of right now, I love eating meat. But, you know, it's interesting. In my early 20s, I was very much on the tip of like self-righteousness. And we were chatting about this earlier today. I watched, um, what was that documentary? Uh, Food Inc. I watched that documentary, Food yes. Inc. And all of a sudden, I was like, really, my eyes were open. And that's that was when I was young. It was before I opened the restaurant. I loved cooking. And I loved food. But then, you know, I became very obsessed with quality. I wouldn't eat a single thing unless I knew exactly where it came from. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I wish that we all still lived like that. As I got a little bit older, I became slightly more, more adaptable. I made concessions. When I go to Chinatown, I don't worry about it because I appreciate the culture of the Chinese people in Chinatown, what they're making. So I don't ask so many questions. I know that perhaps it's not the best quality. Um, however, I still try to like make good stuff at home. As I've had a, an open forum, especially within this podcast, um, I'm cautious about how I talk to people who may be listening who don't have access to great meat maybe can't afford it don't live near a green market and I really want to like not come off as like highfalutin and be like oh well you need to shop at like make sure all your meat is grass-fed and grass finished Mm -hmm. it sucks because all meat should be grass-fed and grass finished that's what cows are supposed to eat right but if you're like raising a family on a low income right now and that's not what I'm doing, I'm not going to sit here as someone who's preaching to you about what you need to order and how much money you need to spend. Just consider mm-hmm. your impact. Yeah, we all, all can consider our impact. Um, that being said, if you do live in New York, I do want to give a suggestion to some places that you could use to find good quality meat, either for everyday use, if that fits your budget, or for a special occasion, or just some place to like look at and check out if you don't live in New York. I really like Marlon Daughters. I like Paisano's. I think the meat hook is great. Um, uh, do you have any suggestions? Over here, right here. The Green locally, Grape. Locally, Fort Green. Yeah. The Green Grape. Uh, they do their own butcher program. And Fleischer's. <laughs> yeah. Moon of the Pond. Yeah, Moon but, uh, you know, just go ahead and you know what? Just ask. Just ask where it's yeah. from and do the best you can. And Totally. Not every day we can do the best we can. I mean, people are moving in that direction. Shake Shack, I know, is allegedly using, like, decently sourced meat. Um, yeah allegedly i don't know i mean that's we their claim that's why they're supposed to be a cut of a cut above but yeah i mean let's all in whatever way we can through food this week perhaps try to just do something a little bit better or more consciously yeah. or read a thing about why that matters at the very least exactly or don't well you know what or just listen to mark Marin. <laughs> yeah yeah just listen to that well listen thank you again for listening to this fabulous and most wonderful podcast that is edible spreadable and pourable thank you oh please um check out our patreon page every little tiny bit counts it's uh donate a quarter i'll take it honestly that's seven minutes of drying time in the laundromat yeah i mean we can like just keep doing better research and we can keep Mm -hmm. doing more fun things and prevent these kitties from fighting each other exactly Um, our patreon page uh the link is in the bio on our instagram um rate review subscribe and we really like you guys and we're really excited to hear from you. And thanks for listening to us blabber on about meat and blubber and fat and cheese. Exactly. Hasta la pasta. Ciao. This was an amazing interview. You, you are the authority on farming and 
doing it the right way. And we really appreciate having you on the show. And Thanks so much. Showing us around your gorgeous farm, Moon in the Pond Farm, the most wonderful, beautiful farm in Sheffield, Massachusetts. Check it out online. Is there any way that people can like donate to the farm, or like how how how's the best way for people to come around and visit? Like, do you, you're on Instagram, right? Moon in the Pond Farm. That's right. Okay. Great. And um, we have a Facebook page, all that kind of stuff. We're on the web, moonandthepond.org. Um, and there is uh, a facility to donate on our web page and also on our Facebook page. So if you want to support um, the education of uh, new sustainable farmers, uh, you can do that there. Um, we One of our programs here at the farm is to be open to the public so that people can have a look at uh, at what farming is. And, and that was a, um, a policy that we established many years ago as a reaction to the fact that most industrial farms don't want you to visit. They right. don't want you to see what they're doing. The meat and meat production on, and on a ridiculous scale can't really tick all the boxes it's it's nearly impossible for it to be safe and clean and nutritious and uh and and all all of that and good for the planet and etc etc and so i think that i've certainly my life is based on on reassessing those relationships and those processes all of our episodes are recorded right here at Studio 54 at the heart of Fort, Fort Green, Green, Brooklyn. Our rock star, award-winning sound editor and producer is Christine Farrell. I'm Zara Tangora. And I'm Bretton Scott. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. 